I said, we are in the last part of our series B. Uh, I am excited for this last one. It's going to be good, but I just want to, um, online, if you're tuning in or just tuning in, I apologize for the audio problems. I thank you for those that have been faithful to watch. We've had some bugs over the last month. We are slowly getting them worked out, so uh, bear with us. We appreciate your patience um, as we get these things resolved. If anyone is more technologically smarter than I am, which I say that and everyone goes, ooh, um, Please, or you know someone, please come talk to me because we've got a bug and I cannot find it. It is beyond my realm of knowledge. Um, if you got to church this morning or you're tuning in, you're wondering why Pastor Matt is wearing a suit and why several of the men in church are wearing suits. Um, last men's night, uh, our men's leader, Paul Cameron, pointed out that there was a time in the church where we said things like church clothes and wear our Sunday best. And there was a formality to church. We had things set aside that they were just for church. And you knew when someone was going to church because they were dressing the part. And at some point in church history, we were like, you know what? That's fine for those that come. But if a new person comes in and they're just wearing a t-shirt and shorts, they're going to feel really uncomfortable. So we're going to do away with the church clothes stuff. And now church closes, make sure it doesn't have the Bud Light logo on it. Like that's, that's what church clothes has, was, has been reduced to. And so Paul said, you know what? It would be nice for Mother's Day if we as men raised the bar. We dressed up and we showed our moms and our wives how much we appreciated them. We busted out our Sunday best and wore it on Sunday. And then the turkey didn't even show up. Been waiting all day to see if he remembered, and then he didn't even come. I'm very disappointed. Um, that was my official call out. If Paul's watching, you've been called out, sir. Um, we so appreciate Paul and the leadership he brings to men's ministry, and he is creative. He's got so many great ideas, and this was definitely one of them. Um, I felt bad for Clay because I gave him a hard time and he had to drive all the way home to get changed. <laughs> He's such a trooper though. He did. I appreciate it. Um, but today is Mother's Day and we had this really cool plan for Mother's Day. Michelle and I were actually going to tag team the message. I was going to do what I do, do all the biblical and historical background. And then Michelle's voice gave out and she's like, I can't do it. That's fair. That's fine. So, just so you know, we try every couple of years to get Michelle on the stage to do what I normally do because it's special when she does it, and then something always comes up and she gets out of it somehow. So, no, no, I'm not singing because I love my church too much to do that to them. Okay, uh, it's not it's not acceptable. Um. It's just different when the mom does the Mother's Day. Not that I can't speak to moms, but it's just special when the mom in the crowd speaks to the moms in the crowd. So um, we're going to try and tie everything together in a nice one big bow, and I hope that you're challenged. I hope you're encouraged this morning. And as I said, moms, we've got a little special something waiting for you before you leave this morning. But we are concluding our B series, the Be Different, and I love how Jesus concludes this. He, he wraps it up in this nice, simple bow, but I say simple 
What I don't want you to hear is easy. It's not easy. It's simple. It's not complicated. You don't need a master's degree to understand how this all ties together. It is this really simple idea that comes up in Scripture over and over and over again. And one thing we see in the New Testament and the Old Testament is that God doesn't complicate things needlessly. God loves to keep it simple because he doesn't want the gospel to be closed to anybody He wants everyone to be able to experience it. He wants everyone to be able to share it. You don't have to have a BA to be able to share the gospel. The gospel is really simple, and that was designed by God by plan because he wanted everyone to be able to expand the kingdom. And so without without any more lead up, here we are, Matthew 7. Starting in verse 24, anyone who listens to my teachings and follows it is wise, like a person who builds a house on solid rock. The rain comes in torrents and the floodwaters rise and the winds beat against that house. It won't collapse because it is built on bedrock. But anyone who hears my teaching and doesn't obey it is foolish, like a person who builds a house on sand. When the rains and floods come and the winds beat against the house, it will collapse with a mighty crash. So Jesus, after spending, like we've said a couple times, the Sermon on the Mount probably wasn't a half-hour sermon like we've gotten so used to. Jesus was probably preaching to this crowd for like a solid week. And he's been pouring out all this information. He's been giving them this biblical God perspective of words that they've heard for so long. And he's putting the spin, not a new spin, but a godly spin on it. He's putting, he's getting us back to where it all started with Moses and Deuteronomy. And he's, he's been unpackaging it, but he's still raising the bar. And he gets to the end of the message and people are starting to pack up and they're, you know, they're putting their Bibles back in their briefcase and they're getting ready to go home. And, and he concludes with this. He's like, everything you've just heard is for not if you don't actually put it into practice. Say that again. If you're not doing it, then you're just fooling yourself. And that would have been a big shock for his Jewish followers, for the crowds that are listening to him. Because remember, one of the things that we as New Testament people admire about the Jewish people is their memorization work. All of the men in this crowd would have had the first five books of the Old Testament memorized. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. I could probably figure it out up till Numbers and then I have to remember who begat who and how many people there were. And I'm done. I'm sorry. My memory has its limits. But they had the first five books and if they continued in their education, they had the entire Old Testament memorized. And if they went even further in their education, they not only had the entire Old Testament memorized, they had what was called the Talmud, which was basically the Pharisees' commentary on the Old Testament. So it was more teaching. And it was just as big as the Old Testament. Imagine, guys, you're graduation requirement to get out of high school was to have the entire Old Testament memorized. How many of us are duped? I'm in trouble. (laughs) I can do it. But because the memorization was so intense, it would have been all-consuming. They would have had to work so hard at it. And in some cases, not only would they have to have it memorized, but they'd have to be able to write it out on parchment. And even the slightest, there's no erasers, unfortunately. 
So the slightest error would result in the parchment getting balled up and starting over. So not only was their memorization perfect, their ability to write it out had to be perfect. In order to get to that spot, you'd have to be so intentional. It would require so much time. When we read through, for those of you that are doing the reading plan, and we read about how Moses encouraged the people to talk about the Word of God as they slept and as they walked and as they worked and when they ate, constantly talking about it, this makes sense. Because they had to have it ingrained. They had to have it so memorized that you'd have to be doing it all the time. You'd be like shoveling and you'd be talking about Leviticus because that's the only way you'd keep it in your brain. But this is the problem. It became this activity of knowledge. And I don't think much has changed. I think Jesus would tell us the same thing today. So often as believers, we have reduced our faith to how much can we know. How many books can I read? How much Christian material can I consume through right now media? How much, like, how much, how many pastors can I listen to on my podcast or through YouTube? How much can I consume? How much can I know? And Jesus is saying it's not about how much you know. It's about how well you do it. It's how well you can live it out. Can you put what I am saying into action and james says the same thing in james 1 he says this but don't just listen to god's word you must do what it says otherwise you're only fooling yourselves for if you listen to the word and don't obey it's like glancing at your face in a mirror or in today's day the selfie cam um you see yourself walk away and forget what you look like if you look carefully into the perfect law that sets you free if you do what it says and don't forget what you've heard, then God will bless you for doing it. God says there's not, it's not enough to just hear. It's not enough to just read. It's not enough to just know the stuff. And this is the part that, this is why I say it's so simple. Because one of the things that happens when we start living out our faith is that our faith starts to grow because all of a sudden we start to realize that God's teaching actually works. God talked about at the beginning, back in January, he said, if you are merciful, you'll receive mercy. Try it. Try being merciful. Try not holding a grudge. Try not being judgmental. Try doing good things. Try, try everything we've talked about for the last five months. And the amazing thing is what God said is going to happen starts to happen. Ooh, what else does God say in this book? And our faith grows, and our confidence in Jesus grows, and we become more eager to live out our faith. But the problem is, is that we just aren't living it out. Even when we get to Matthew 25, 24, 25. In Matthew 25, we have this story, and I didn't put it up. I'll give you the Pastor Matt version of it. Jesus is separating the followers from the sheep from the goat. And the sheep, he says, come into my kingdom, enjoy my Father's blessing because you fed me when I was hungry, you gave me something to drink when I was thirsty, you clothed me. All of these action things, you were doing things. He never once says, come into my kingdom, experience your Father's blessing because of you memorized all of Timothy. Jesus doesn't say that. Jesus doesn't say, good job, you 
watched the entire Chosen series, he says, good job, because you did unto the others. What you, you did unto, when you did it to the least, you did it to me. And those that get turned away, he says the same thing. You didn't do it. You didn't love those who were in need. You didn't give food to the hungry. You didn't, you did, you, there's a list. He says, I never knew you. We just talked about this last week. Jesus said there's going to be some that come to the kingdom and say, Lord, Lord, and look at all these other things that we did. Jesus said, I never knew you. Why? Because these are the, you can't abandon faith without, it's faith and justice. It's loving the least and this. So how are we putting our faith into practice? And now this it's funny, I've had a few conversations where it's like, Matt, you're just mean to us when you preach. Um, it's not my intention, and that's, I'm not going to leave you there with a get to work, okay? There's some encouragement in here. And this is where this, this really ties in really well with the moms. And of course, I'm t- saying this from an outside perspective, so if I'm wrong, moms, give you permission to correct me, throw something, you know, get my attention, do whatever you need to do, but just like, no, our moms, you're so awesome and you love kids and you love the house and you love us husbands so much, but it almost becomes overwhelming at times. Is that fair? Is that fair that it almost starts to turn into worry? And it doesn't change. Kids, when we grow up, moms still worry. That's their job. At least that's what my mom tells me. Um, you never stop worrying. You never stop caring. You never stop carrying that weight, and at times, it can feel really overwhelming. At times, you're trying to balance so many, and you homeschool moms, I don't know how you do it. My kids, when I have to fill in, all my daughter says at the end of me filling in is, I'm so glad mom's back. I just, I can't do it. And I think our moms at times and our wives at times can really relate to this idea of sinking sand. It just feels like you're going and you're going and you're going and it just feels like you can never catch your footing. And it's not just the moms. I think a lot of people can relate to this. You just feel like you're never getting ahead. You always feel like you're fighting against the current. You you just feel like life is beating at you. And what Jesus is saying is we can so often get distracted by the things of life that we miss out on where the solid ground really is. I say, you want some solidness to life? You want some, some resemblance of control? It really starts with giving up control? Because that's a really big problem, right? When we try to control life and we get frustrated by the fact that we can't, Right? We just wish we could control our employees and control our neighbors when they, you know, they do dumb things. Right? We just want to control things when we don't. De- And Jesus is saying, just give up control and start doing things the way I told you. And you're, all of a sudden, life's going to start feeling a lot more solid. You love the way I love. You're going to be a better mom. You're going to be a better husband. You're going to be a better employee. You're gonna, you start doing these things the way you stop judging people. You, stop giving them, you start giving them the benefit of the doubt. You start seeing some, something that's wrong and you come alongside and you build them up. And all of a sudden, people start doing that for you. Remain faithful. Don't be angry. Don't be adulterous. Don't be lustful. Don't do these things. Why? Because your marriage will be stronger and your friendships will be stronger. 
Nobody likes being around the angry guy. I know. I'm the angry guy. I come home. Kids hide. Not all the time. But sometimes when I'm hungry, they do. And then I read that. I'm like, "Mm." Jesus said, do it. Don't just know the words. Don't. And what's going to happen is your life is going to start coming together the way we all want it to. Things are going to start getting solid. Start with the teachings that I have given you, Jesus says. Watch life come together and then start worrying about these other things. If you're worried about your finances, are you, doing it the, are you managing your finances the way God told you to? Because when you do, your finances are going to become more solid and then you're going to be able to branch out and do some of the things you want to do. In the beginning, it might be sacrifices. In the beginning, it might mean some hard decisions. But in the end, you'll be better for it. Jesus said, take what I have given you and don't just hide it in your heart. But do it. It's easy. Not easy. It's simple. And we have the luxury. The people who were listening to Jesus talk at this time had to remember everything he said because they didn't have notes on their Apple phone to keep track. I know, the app hadn't come out yet. I feel sad for them. They had no way of keeping notes. They had to remember everything. And that's why Jesus comes along later and he says, you want to you know all the Old Testament, all, everything all summed up into one? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. You want to know how to do life? You want to know how to do the teachings of Christ? Start there. Just, just love. Love people. Love God. And watch everything else come together. Because the, the, the heart of everything Jesus taught was, do you not trust your Heavenly Father? Do you not know that your Heavenly Father loves you? And if He takes care of sparrows, won't He much more take care of you. And moms, maybe the encouragement is, if he takes care of sparrows, won't he take care of your kids? Won't he take care of your husband? Won't he take care of your family? Won't he take care of your garden? That you know, Whatever. Whatever it is that's wor- weighing you down and worrying you. Don't, if he loves lilies, how much more does he love you and how much more does he love the things that you love and you, know, you worry about? Just, you don't have to live life on the shaky sand. Just do. Just take these teachings and do them. Put them into practice. Make them a reality. And the amazing thing that starts to happen, and I, this is my encouragement for all parents, one of the things that probably weighs most parents down is the idea of passing our faith on to our kids and trying not to force it on them. Well, if you're doing life, if you're doing Jesus' teaching and it's an active part of who you are, your kids are going to see you doing it and they're just going to start, because what, what do kids do? They mimic you. And what do they tend to do? They mimic the worst parts of you. Little turkeys. Right? Still laugh. My child said a word that she wasn't supposed to in the middle of Bible study because I let it slip once. Now it's her favorite word. Sweet. Thank you. Right? They, they, they mimic. They follow. They, they imitate. 
well, what do we want them to imitate? Do you want them to imitate the ways of this world of stress and worry? And, or do you want them to imitate a Christ follower who loves Jesus, who loves people, who... Life just seems to be way more solid for them. If you want your kids to start living out the faith, start living the faith out and let them copy you. So be encouraged. Because you don't have to carry all this weight. You don't have, life doesn't have to be a sinking sand. You can find the solid rock. You can have life kind of come together a little bit. And it all starts with just giving up control and doing things God's way. My last B statement for you, be doers of the word. Do not fool yourself in just thinking that it's enough to come and to sit and to listen and to sing and then go about and live life. You're fooling yourself. Take what you're hearing, take what you're reading and put it into practice. I have the worship team to come on up. Maybe. You know what? It's the moms. You guys, you get the rest of the morning off. You know, let's just... I'm going to pray, though. So I'm going to invite everyone to bow their heads, close their eyes. Father, I pray... Father, I pray for a blessing on our moms. I know I've prayed a lot already, but I just want you to just... I want them to feel your love this morning. I want, you to, I want them to feel your peace and your joy this morning. So our moms can carry so much weight, carry so much worry. And I just pray, God, that your peace would overwhelm them. That they would remember that they serve a God who loves them more than words can express. And not only do they love them, they, you love our kids, you love our spouses, you, just, you love God. And we can trust you with them. God, I pray that you would stir your church, that we would be doers of the word, that we would not just be hearers, that we would not just take in, take in, take in, and not do anything with it. God, the same way that we eat food so that we have energy to go, I pray, God, that we take in your word so we have the energy to live it out in our world that so desperately needs truth, so desperately needs love and mercy and the forgiveness of the Father. Jesus, we love you. Spirit, come upon us. Give us everything we need to do what you've called us to do. I pray this in your mighty name, Lord Jesus. Amen.